In 2018, the Wealth Standard Podcast broke down the year into three seasons, each focusing on a principle from the inspired works of philosopher John Locke, specifically his philosophy on life, liberty, and property. In 2019, we progressed from principle to the ideal environment for building wealth and achieving prosperity. The theme was laissez-faire capitalism. For season two, it continues. The theme is entrepreneurship and intrapreneurship and how you apply the principles and environment to the individual. The guests ranging from economists to entrepreneurs to political influencers, authors, and more will teach you how to take your life to the next level. Now, on to the next episode. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Patrick. Thank you for tuning in this week. My guest is Craig Ballantyne. He's a good friend of mine. I've known him for several years. You guys are going to hear a little bit of our, our story in a, in a second. First, it was an incredible interview. This guy is so smart, not just because he has the information, but because of how easy he's, he's made it. He was on the show back in 2017, and you guys listened to that episode as well. We'll put a link in the show notes. Craig has really figured it out and, and figured out an easy way to, there's so much to implementation and there are these little like stupid things that get in the way. And I know that if you guys just listen to some of the details of the interview, you're going to get a lot out of it, but make sure you get the book. And he also has some online stuff too that I think you guys will benefit from because now's the time as we're going into 2020 where we can take the ideas that have come from uh, the podcast season. We take the ideas and lessons from 2019 and have a banner year in, in 2020. So let me also follow up on an invitation I gave last podcast, which is to come to the Unleash the Power Within event at a Tony Robbins event that's going to be in San Jose this coming March from the 12th to the 15th. And there's a pretty steep discount that I was able to get. And I'm putting the link on the show notes. So it's thewellstandard.com. We may even put it on the main page of the website. Uh, make sure you check that out. And if you guys have the means to go, I would love to have you there. I don't gain anything from doing this. It is essentially a discount that I get by being part of Platinum Group. And, and I want you guys to experience this. I think it can lead to just an, an amazing rest of 2020 because it is in March, you know, kind of toward the, the end of the first uh, quarter. But I know it's gonna make it, I can, it can make a difference uh, for you, just the experience overall. So I hope you guys can, uh, can join me. So again, go to thewellstandard.com to get that link as well as all of the information from my episode with Craig Valentine. Okay, so I'm not going to delay any further. Let's uh, have our interview with Craig Valentine. Enjoy. Hey, everyone. This is Patrick. Thanks for joining me on this week's episode. Man, we are right at the end of this intense season on entrepreneurship. And hope you guys are excited, especially going into the new year. Now, you know, essentially having some sort of a reset or especially 2020, some iconic year. And I have no one better be on the show right now than this guy, Craig Valentine. So let me introduce him first and then we'll talk a little bit about how we know each other. So first off, Craig is the author of The Perfect Day Formula. Boom, there's that one. He is also the author of the Wall Street Journal bestselling book, Unstoppable. There's that one. Put that right here. Awesome. And then his newest book, right, which is The Perfect Week Formula. That one right there. And he also does uh, workshops. He's a uh, coach for entrepreneurs and business people. And he is also the founder of a multiple seven-figure fitness empire 
and more, you know, early to rise, the list goes on, but there's a short attention span these days when it comes to podcasts. We have to be very concise. But Craig, it's amazing to have you on, man. I wanted to have you here because I've talked a lot about information and ideas and had guests on that have uh, really talked about the power of having your own business, being an entrepreneur and uh, what that can do to your life. At the same time, it's all been information. And I wanted to talk about the implementation, the integration, the execution of information. Yeah, and, 100%. And I wanted to have you on because you, you probably don't know this as, as well. Our meeting was like super serendipitous, right? It's like it happened at a point in my life, literally, I went to your workshop like right after, right after Christmas, right? In Denver, snowing. Yeah. The day that I left that workshop, I went to the Denver hospital because my brother lives in, in Denver and, and my niece was diagnosed with cancer. My niece is the same age as my oldest daughter. And, and thankfully she's a survivor, Good. totally in remission. Uh, but that year, like I could use expletives, right? <laughs> explain that year, both from a business perspective, a personal perspective. And, and then I look at what's transpired since then. And I, I put so much credit to what I learned from you, both in that workshop, as well as the perfect uh, life retreat uh, down in San Diego. Thank you uh, sincerely, Craig. You made a huge difference and I appreciate all you do. And I know you've just continued to preach your uh, message. So I'm excited to have you on right now so that you can impart your, not just information wisdom, but your experience wisdom with the audience. So welcome. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, just one quick point on that is, you know, you take a look at almost everybody in life and there is a, an inflection point, what I, you know, you call a hero's journey where if you don't go through the down, if Luke's parents don't get killed, if the hobbits don't get kicked out of their little hobbit world and have to go on the journey, there's no journey, right? And there's no greatness that comes out of that. And so you went through yours and I went through my anxiety attacks and Tony Robbins went through being broke and Brennan Burchard went through his injury and my friend Bedros went through traumas and everybody does. And then it's like, you got to come out the other side and you come out stronger. And so if anybody's going through something right now, whether it's marital problems or whether it's financial problems or whether it's just like, man, I'm just not at my best self. Hey, fight through it. And in a few months or in a year from now, you're going to be in a great spot. And this is where you're right. It's like the duality of life is there's a saying that I came across this year, which talks about it depth of sadness or the depth of experience from a negative standpoint or yeah. gives you a heightness, right? A, the ability to experience that on even deeper level on the other side of the spectrum. Yeah. It's funny. I don't know if you can see my t-shirt, Patrick. Can you see it says an 11 out of 10? I can't see the t- I can see the 10 now. Okay. Show your abs. And yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. No, that's <laughs> not what I'm trying to do. Anyways, I made this t-shirt yesterday. It's, it's a fraction for those of people who, who are not watching. It says 11 over 10. And the reason why I made it is because, you know, when you went through the program with me, one of the things is we do these weekly accountability updates. And I always ask my coaching clients, you know, on a scale of one to 10, what was last week? And I found that there are three types of people. There's this one type of people. Let's start with the negative person first. I call them panic button hitters. You know, like let's say a person in their company left or they got a refund request or something and they're like, it was a one out of 10. And I'm like, well, if that week was a one out of 10, what are you going to rate a week when something bad actually happened? Like a family, (laughs) right? And then there's there's the normal people who rate it like between a seven and a nine every week. And then I have this group of people who 
it's a 16 out of 10. And when theirs is a 12 out of 10 or an 11 out of 10, I know they've had a bad week. And after doing this for so long, because I'm naturally the kind of guy who would rate everything a seven out of 10. Like, yeah, you know, I made a million bucks this week. It was a seven out of 10. Yeah. You know, I got hit by a truck this week. It was a seven out of 10. Like I'd always just be in that melancholy state. And then I decided, you know what, I'm going to make my new baseline at an 11 out of 10. I'm going to have that new mentality that every day above ground, you know, you're grateful for. And, and so we got on this um, before the call here. You said, man, you know, things are amazing. I'm like, that's an amazing answer. I got to say amazing more often. I got to be that 11 out of 10. So it's just a mindset for everybody listening to duality of life. Even if it's a bad day, hey, you know what? I'm still grateful for the chance to have a bad day. So it's always an 11 out of 10. That's the new baseline. It's like nature doesn't work on a straight line. You know, nature is all, it's all, it's everything, right? You have storms and you have different weather patterns and you, it's amazing. And we know that, you know, internally, but then when we're actually in the experience, because most people, I would say, don't necessarily kind of anticipate how they're going to react to certain circumstances, you know, it becomes difficult in the moment. Right. Right. And it's really, but it's really easy for you and I, when it's somebody else going through it to say, Hey, listen, you're going to get through this, right? You're going to get through this. You're going to be okay. And it doesn't matter if it's a family illness or a financial loss or whatever it is. We always just say, hey, listen, we know you. You're strong. You're going to get through this. But when it's us, right, when it's us and we're emotionally attached to the problem, whether it's a team member who's probably outstayed their welcome on the team and we should have had a conversation with them three months ago, but oh man, we dread that conversation. Listen, you're going to get through it. And so you have to emotionally unattach from your problems, look at them with outside eyes in a very objective manner. And then all those things that seem like big, big problems become less of a problem and something to go and fix right away. And I'm sure you've read like Traction by Gino Wickman or um, his new book, How to Be a Great Boss. I haven't read that one. Okay. He's got a great phrase in there. Like if you need to have a difficult conversation with somebody or let somebody go. It's 36 hours of pain. And most people avoid that 36 hours of pain and will go through another 36 weeks of pain of passive aggressive, hiding it and not, you know, leaning into the conversation. And it'll just go on and on and on. You know what? Just, you just got to suck it up buttercup and go through the 36 hours of pain. It's going to be a difficult conversation. There's going to be some emotions, but if you don't do that, things are going to get worse And this is not just related to letting a team member go or, you know, something in entrepreneurship. It's the same with negative environments or negative people in our lives. We just got to have those conversations and step up to be the best person. And again, it's easy for us to like tell somebody, oh, hey, you got to go and have that conversation. But when it's our turn to have that conversation, not so easy. No, yeah, the emotional attachment's huge. And that's where I think this notion of correction and then revamp. So there's a concept in economics called the S-curve where you have kind of the compounding and growth, but then you have kind of a plateau and then even a decline, right? And during that, it's, you know, you've grown. At the same time, you're still trying to use the same principles and the same processes as you've used before, right? And they're not working, right? So it's this, you know, kind of recharacterization of like what the purpose is and, you know, so that you can have another growth curve. But the same happens in life, right? Where it's like you see what's happening, then you experience it emotionally, deal with it, Right. And you have to obviously learn to get over that, that and then you just start to rebound again. Yeah. And the same happens in the gym. I mean, that's you're just talking physiology 101. You're talking hockey training 101 from back in the day. Right. You go and you skate or you squat or whatever, and your legs are so sore the next day. But if you don't go through that, they don't get stronger. You don't get fitter. If you practice half heartedly, 
you're left behind on when the actual game comes around. So you have to go through that S curve where you got better, but got worse at the same time. And when you recover properly, do you super compensate is what it's called in physiology. And you come back and, you know, the next thing you know, you're playing for the New York Rangers, like a certain stud on this call here. Not me. Well, that wasn't yeah. exactly my story, but it probably is someone else's. Right. <laughs> get to do more fun things and play in the Rangers. Yeah, there you go, man. <laughs> Let's get into kind of the, the topic because you have had an incredible entrepreneurial journey. And even better, you've been able to experience hundreds, thousands of other people's journeys and you've seen common patterns. Seen a lot of patterns, yeah. Yeah. And so let's talk through like your formula where you establish this passion and drive to help and transform lives with being able to have a way in which you can simply execute on ideas, on business and just life in general. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that drove me, I think, was from a young age was I just got really frustrated seeing whether it was family members or other people not getting ahead as quickly as they should have. And I then spent like kind of the, the rest of my life since then trying to figure out the fastest way to success. And so first of all, it was in the fitness world. I went into fitness because I loved hockey and I wanted to be a strength and conditioning coach in the National Hockey League. And then I started writing for Men's Health. And then I got into creating programs online for people because I saw every, you know, a lot of people are going to the gyms and they, I get these emails from people like, I don't have time to spend nine hours a week in the gym. And, and my mind was blown. I was like, what do you think you have to do to be in the gym nine hours a week to lose weight? And I was showing people how to do it in two hours a week maximum. And that was like my, set me apart from so many people. And I built that business. And then, then in around 2006 and 2007, when my business started taking off, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, I got to do something about my own life. Otherwise, I'm going to be working 12 hours a day, seven days a week, and I can't be doing that. That's not healthy. That's not what I want, all that sort of stuff. And I wanted to start building what's, what I call an intelligent business. What's an intelligent business where you're doing the things you love and you're building up a team and that sort of stuff. So it took me a long time to make the full transition from fitness to business coaching, but I was able to make that over time. And you were part of the journey and I've, you know, a lot of great people like you written the books from the experience of it, but it was all driven from how can we help people get more and less, more and less. It's all about efficiency for me, but efficiency in doing the right things because there's a whole other world where people are really efficient and productive at doing things that just don't matter. And that's one of the biggest wastes of time in life. Well, talk about that because it's also interesting. Like you have these natural laws of, of how, how things work. And I think there's a law of opposite sometimes. A year ago, we bought like this used golf simulator in my office. And so I bought Jack, who's five now, just a little set of uh, clubs. Oh, and cute. I was taught that golf was a game of opposites, right? Where it's not necessarily about how strong you hit, you swing, right? Sure. It's about the, you know, your whole body movement, but also it's like the inside out. In order to hit left, you want to actually hit the ball going right. Right. Yeah. And so it's one of those, like, it's a very interesting thing. And often reference Seinfeld with opposite George, when George does right. black is white, you know, completely up opposite things start to work out. <laughs> right. But yeah. the less is more concept is, is huge for me. Right. So when it comes to the entrepreneur and they're, they have ideas and they have drive and they have passion. Okay. What is it about their efforts that often get them to burn out? Okay. How so do they correct that. Yeah. So one of the things I'm seeing really a lot these days with the influx of everybody's got a podcast and the morning routine focus 
is that people have turned a lot of great things, things that are helpful, into what I call perverse forms of procrastination. I use that phrase in the Perfect Week Formula book. So, for example, you know, I've had clients send me messages at 7.30 in the morning, and they said, I've been up since 5 a.m., and I've done meditation and gratitude journaling and freeform journaling and yoga and exercise. Man, I haven't gotten anything done, and now I'm all stressed out because i got to go to work. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, like you just you did all these things, and they're all good things in and of themselves. But at some point, you got to draw the line and you got to go, listen, if they're that important to me, I'll do some of them later. And you maybe get, you do like a short routine to get your mind right. But this perverse form of procrastination is stealing time from people's lives. And, and I talk a lot about it in the book because I quote Daniel Pink's book. It's called When the Science of Perfect Timing or something like that. Yep, yep. And he says, you have the greatest willpower, discipline and intention first thing in the morning. Now, if you're getting up and doing 19 things before breakfast, and there's actually an article on Inc.com called The 14 Things Successful People Do Before Breakfast, and it takes four and a half hours to go through that entire routine because someone made fun of it. I'm like, if you're doing that, <laughs> you're just going down rabbit holes. And so in the book, I talk about the farm boy morning miracle routine. To paraphrase from Hal Elrod, our friend, farm boy morning miracle. You know, I grew up on a farm. And what does a farmer do? The farmer gets up and they go to work. They go and do something substantial that has to be done. They feed the cows because the cows don't have a, a day off from eating. They definitely don't take a day off eating. I think most entrepreneurs, yeah, okay, great. We're going to have some habits and rituals and routines. But if you're finding yourself with way too much busy work and not enough accomplishment, it's time to take an evaluation of that. And then the second thing on that side of the equation is that People are over-consuming information. Listen, I love books, and I don't uh, actually like listening to podcasts. I don't listen to any because I only like to read my content. I don't like to watch videos, and I don't like to do audio. I'm a little strange. But some people, oh, I listen to Ed Milets, and I listen to Patrick's, and I listen to Craig's, and I listen to Craig and Bedros, and then I listen to Jen Sincero, and I listen to Rachel Hollis, and I listen like, okay, whoa, slow down here. Like, You've consumed and gathered all this information, and that's great. But if you are not implementing and executing on the information, well, you're just a walking library, and there's not a lot of money in libraries, unfortunately. <laughs> not anymore. No, no. And so I just, I would urge people listening to do an audit, and this is a great time of year to do that. And in fact, one of the exercises in the book that I talk about, I talk about the billionaire time matrix in the book. It was actually a worksheet that I invented last Christmas. And I invented this worksheet last Christmas because I had a chocolate lab. He was 12 and a half years old and he died in August of 2018. And when you get a, when you have a 12 year old chocolate lab, they're basically like a piece of furniture that needs like a 20 minute walk a day. Right. So very little time, you know, he passed away. It was really sad. And then after a couple months, I'm like, man, I sit on my butt way too much here. Like I need to go and get some walks. I need a new dog. I really miss the dog. But having a puppy that needs three hours a day outside is exponentially different than having a 12 year old chocolate lab. So at Christmas time, I'm like, right now, my schedule would not allow me to have a puppy. Let me figure something out here. And so at Christmas time, I love to just kind of sit around and not do any work and just think. And I came up with this exercise, four quadrants, four questions. What do you hate doing? So think about this, everybody that's, that's listening. And unless 
unless you're driving a Tesla, don't do this if you're driving anything but a Tesla. But if you're driving a Tesla, maybe you can do this exercise. But otherwise, do this at home with pen and paper and sit there and think, what do I hate doing? What do I hate doing in my business? And it might not be that you can stop doing the things that you hate, but maybe you can rearrange your schedule. Because what I found, Patrick, is that I was doing sales calls in the morning or I was doing coaching calls in the morning. The morning is my magic time for writing and I hated it. And not only was I missing out on that 30 minute block or hour block, I was thinking about it the night before. I was ticked off. I was like, oh man, tomorrow I got that call. What was I thinking? And so now I'm losing mental energy. I'm thinking about it during non-work time. And so it's instead of it just being an hour long call, it's actually two or three hours of mental bandwidth because I'm doing something I hate at the wrong time. Now, all I had to do was get a Calendly link. So Calendly is like one of those things where you set up and you schedule times and not allow anybody to book in my morning. And I fixed that problem. And I fixed that problem and it opened up my mornings to accelerate all my other greatness. Oh my goodness. And now I have more time for the dog. And that's just one question. Now, the second question that I have people ask is, what should you stop doing? What should you stop doing? What should your team stop doing? If everybody stopped doing this, and we all have stuff in our businesses where if nobody did it, the business wouldn't suffer. And in fact, the business would get better. And it goes in our personal lives as well, like with gossiping or watching, you know, five Netflix shows a night instead of just one or two. What should you stop doing? And if you stop doing it, life gets better. And nobody takes it up. Nobody, it's not delegated to anybody. You know, it's not replaced with anything else. It just stopped doing it. And for me, you know, when I wrote the first book, I was doing everybody's podcast. And I had to. I had to learn how to tell my stories and become a better speaker and all that great stuff and sell the books. But then it gets to a point of diminishing returns. Some young kid in England who has 10 listeners and, yeah, I mean, hey, I was once like that young kid. I want to do that kid's show. Just be a great guest for him. Well, you got to draw the line, right? You can't do every kid who's doing a podcast in his mom's basement who has 20 listeners, right? Otherwise, I'm doing 16 hours of podcasts a day and I, I don't get ahead in life. So I had to stop doing small podcasts of audiences that weren't a good fit for me. And it's unfortunate, but you can't do everything. So it's a principle of focus, right? It's like, yeah, totally. There's, you have this distribution of energy throughout the day, right? And, and sometimes there's a higher distribution in the morning, midday, end of day, depending on, I've heard all sorts of theories. theories yeah. It's determining what you're best at, what you're good at, what you like doing and focusing efforts, focusing efforts there. And it could be, you know, you use the, the two to three hours of the deep work I did, the magic time. And it could be in the afternoon. It could be in the midday. It could be midday, but it's essentially taking inventory of your day to determine what that time block is. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the time journal exercises, which is another thing that I describe in the book. And it's another great exercise that when people match their energy and their focus and their major activities, all of a sudden you go, you can go from working 12 hours a day to getting more work done in seven or eight hours a day. When you get everything, the stars aligned, the dots connected, and it's just class, it's classic self-reflection. And it's the same with your diet. You could be like trying to find, follow somebody else's restrictive diet. And then all of a sudden, if you actually knew about your own physiology, about the things that actually helped you feel full and the things that got you into trouble, you could probably eat more calories on an individualized diet and feel satisfied and lose more weight and be healthier 
because you, again, you aligned what works for your body, your energy levels, your likes, your dislikes. And that's essentially the way it is for everything in life. And so that's part of this exercise. So those are the first two. And I'll just quickly go through the other two. In the bottom left quadrant of the four questions is, what is not your job? That's the question. What is not your job? So in this case, we don't just stop it and not delegate it. This is a case where we identify something that you're doing that you have either hired somebody else to do or that it's just simply not your job and you have to go get somebody else to do it. So there's, there's two ways of looking at this. For me, I was doing some sales calls because I was like, well, that was a referral or you know, this is a, a major important client. I don't want to lose them. And I was like, well, wait a minute. If I've hired a good sales guy and I got a great sales guy and he's a great person, you know what? I shouldn't be taking the calls. I should be coaching him up to the point where he can take on any call. So I put my efforts somewhere else and then he took way more sales calls and it's been a win-win. And then I was doing some other stuff where I've like, I've hired these people on my team and I came from a blue collar background where when my mom finds out that I don't do half this stuff and all these other people do these things, she's like, you can't do this. You really, you're better than that sort of stuff. And not that she gives me a hard time, but she doesn't understand it. Right. And so then the other thing is on the personal side. And if there's female entrepreneurs listening, I really want you to pay attention to this one because for guys, it's easy. Like, yeah, I'm not cooking at home. I'm not doing this. So, you know, I'm totally, I will totally be fine to like get a a person to come in and do the laundry. Like, yeah, I'm not doing that. I got a business to run. But for most women, there's the societal things there. And I have a lot of female entrepreneurs who struggle. Oh my gosh, my mother-in-law found out that I didn't make all the sandwiches and do all the laundry and make all the dinners while I'm still trying to run my business, there'd be a lot of stress. But here's the thing. I say to them, listen, you weren't put here to clean the house every week and to make every meal and to cook every dinner. It's okay. I give you permission to let that stuff go because you were put here to run a business. Like imagine Oprah, like, oh my goodness, I can't do a show today because I got to go and do the laundry or something everyone's going to think I'm a bad person because I don't do my own laundry. Well, of course, that's not how she thinks, right? And so she only does what she can do. And she finds somebody else to not only do the personal stuff, but to come in and make sure that the catering for the guests is great and the audience has great gifts to give away and all that sort of stuff. So we find what's not our job and we get rid of it so that we can go back to that 5%, as my friend Bedros calls it, or Your unique ability, as Dan Sullivan calls it, everybody's got it. The one thing, Gary Keller, and you do it. And then finally, the last one is, what are your distractions? And we all have them. I have social media as my number one distraction. And so I got to set up boundaries to stop myself from wasting time on it. Maybe some people watch too many television shows. or Maybe it's time for you to give up watching too many pro sports. I think that, you know, once you get past like the age of 27, you kind of got to let that go because you're older than most of the players. And that's when I kind of let it go because I thought this is ridiculous. I'm getting emotionally involved in a game that I'm not even playing in. So those types of things, good exercises of mental thought, because now you've opened up all this space to do what really matters. And that's where you move mountains in your life. There's something I thought about this year quite a bit, which is the idea of uncertainty. And there's saying that the quality of your life is in direct proportion to the amount of uncertainty that you can comfortably sure. live with, right? And it's, but it's establishing essentially some certainty associated with your life of, of foundation, right? Whether it's boundaries, rules that you establish yourself. These aren't rules imposed on you. These are establishing rules, establishing processes, establishing ways of doing things. 
And it's the idea of constantly growing the area of your life that you're best at and should be focused on, which is not going to be the same today as it will be in three years or a year, right? But it's that constant refinement of what you're doing because in those zones is where you essentially establish the most uh, fulfillment. It's the stuff that you love doing. It's that degree of uncertainty that you're able to start focusing on and pushing the limit and pushing the limit and pushing the limit because you have the certainty associated with your foundation in check. Yeah, absolutely. So there's, there's an analogy there that I think is really important for people to understand. It should really make some light bulbs go off. And so if you think back to 2007, I think that's when the first iPhone came out. Now, imagine how different the iPhone operating system is now. They've gone through 11 iterations or even more, right, of iPhones. And that's the same with everybody listening. When you started your business, you were an iPhone 1. You know, I don't even think they gave it a number. You were just the original iPhone. iPhone. And then you developed more high-income skills. You developed world-class capabilities as a leader. And every year, your operating system changes and improves and you have new parameters that you operate by. Now, the cool thing, one of the cool things that I heard this year, I was reading some books about Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, and they have, they have like a thing that they try and do, a challenge where they try and destroy one of their deeply held beliefs every year. So maybe it's about investing in a certain area like airlines or something, or it's about management strategies or something. They test, they're always testing their beliefs to make their, to either increase the strength in their belief or to realize like, you know what, that may have been true before and it served us, but it doesn't serve us now because something has changed or, you know what, we got lucky because it wasn't actually that true and we need to move on. So it's, that's how you build your operating system up and that's how you build your world-class expertise in a certain thing. That, and it's only through getting rid, getting rid, cutting the fluff so that you can focus on that thing that really matters. And that's where you start to shine. And this is where get, we're getting into really the execution of things. But with, with what you've written about, the workshops that you put on, you essentially are helping clients, people, you know, establish the, the purpose behind it, right? The yep. foundational elements, right, that will lead to what they're going to, to execute. Maybe with the limited time that we have, maybe talk about just some of the content of your book that helps in that regard, but then also some of the workshops and live events and things that you put on around the world that help people to essentially establish like, okay, what is that belief, right, that I have that needs to be squashed, right? It might have worked before my business. It's not working as well right now. How do you establish that and then start to confirm some, some new beliefs? Yeah, well, that's a great question. And so one of the things we always want to ask people, what's not working? What is not working in the business? What's not working in your life? Then you just have to do classic deeper diving. Well, you know, you know, this is not, our sales team is not working. Okay, well, why is the sales team not working? What's the bottleneck? Is it the offer that you have? Is it the group of people that you have? You know, do you have the right people on the right bus in the right seats? Do you have the right systems for your sales? Do you have the right follow-up? Do you have the right leadership in place? There's a whole bunch of things. And so you have to just do a lot of Socratic questioning. And then maybe you get to, well, you know, we have really great sales uh, systems and processes and we're always doing training and we have good follow-up and, you know, our offer is just as good as last year. 
I see the problem now is the culture within the sales staff. We had this guy and he's been here for five years. And, you know, there's a lot of new people on our manager of the team is newer. And so, you know, he, but he's been with me since day one. And you're like, oh, okay. All right. Then you start to dive deeper and you go, okay, well, what would happen if he quit tomorrow? Oh man, well, you know, it'd actually probably be better. Or actually, you know, I got these two questions from Vern Harnish the other day in his newsletter. When you think about somebody who's not great, question number one is, what would happen if they quit tomorrow? How would you feel? And then what would happen if you had 10 people like this on your team? And you go, oh, whoa, yeah. So, you know, I'm just saying like that might be an issue or maybe it's the leadership. You know, we brought in a manager and, you know, we started a new style of leadership. But eventually by asking the questions and always looking at what's the bottleneck, we're flowing energy, we're flowing leads, we're flowing focus, and then it gets bottled up. And what is it that's bottling us up there? And then we can break free. And as soon as you break free and you have, you can leverage that, all of a sudden your business can grow. And, and it's very, very interesting how quickly things can take off for people when they are able to get rid of those bottlenecks. And so is there once a couple questions that we ask everybody? No, it's around that theme. And then we have to get specific on it. But we can do that for sales. We can do that for marketing. We can do that for leadership. We can do that for personal life. We can do that for our health. We can do that for our personal development. We can do that for everything. And then as long as you have that growth mindset and not a fixed mindset around everything in your life, then you will constantly evolve. You'll constantly upgrade that operating system. And man, the sky is the limit. It's been amazing. Our growth in our company has been good, but I have some friends who have just skyrocketed total moonshots in their business. And you're like, wow. And actually like one of my bottlenecks, uh, Patrick, to be brutally honest and vulnerable is that I don't receive information very well. Advice, you know, I have a big ego and I need to learn to take my ego and put it aside because I was talking to a woman, uh, this woman named Shanda Sumter, very successful female entrepreneur and business coach. And she's had rapid growth because we kind of started off around the same spot. She said she used the word receiver. She's become a better receiver. And for a lot of us, when feedback is given, we're really good at resistors. It's like, oh, that won't work because I've tried that before. Uh, no. And where does that get us? And I was like that for a long time. So I want to be a receiver of information and I want to resist saying, oh, no, no, no. Cause I want to, I want to be right. I want to be the, I, you know, I want to be the smart guy all the time, but being right versus being a receiver are two totally different things. So that's what we all need to be. And I think that will help you overcome bottlenecks in any area of your life. So everybody listening, whether it's personal or professional, if you become a better receiver of information and less of a resistor and you're willing to answer difficult questions, your world can change dramatically. Do you see that ability to receive feedback, receive you know, just constructive advice about you as one of the common reasons why some of your friends and businesses are thriving? Is there something else that you would add to that? The only modification I would add to it is and this is from our friend, Matt Smith. He says, you got to be curious. And so the receiver is not, is a naturally curious person. They would go, Oh, that's interesting that you would give me that advice. Why would you say that? Whereas the resistor, they're protecting their ego and they might actually be curious. They might read lots of books and that sort of stuff. But if they're a resistor to the information, 
they're not curious in getting better themselves. So I also see the more that a person is studying leadership and the more that a person is reading biographies and the more that a person is, you know, checking out their competitors and reverse engineering funnels or whatever it is, like it's important to do that because the more knowledge you have, the more dots you connect. So be a receiver and be a curious person in life. And that's actually something, a great characteristic to encourage in your children because, you know, become curious about other cultures and be curious about that. It's a great thing to be. I think you're just going to be overall a better person. And then the more that you can set aside your ego in life, the better off you're going to be too. Well, I think, yeah, I think you revert. I know I love Matt's perspective on life. And, you know, there's a book we were discussing a, a few years ago, right, around how, you know, the educational system and the business world of the West, right, has created this idea of good and bad, right, or right and wrong, or success or failure, right, based on a grade, right? Based on a a pay scale. And I look at the curiosity side of things, right? It's, I think we obviously see ourselves in a certain way. Other, other people see us. I've connected the same thing. That's why I'm I'm bringing up this point this year. I've, I've listened to a lot of really successful people talk about some of the things that are challenging to them Mm -hmm. and they were stuck and it was amazing. Everyone else understood where they were at. They just didn't understand what was in their way. And it was typically them. Right. And it's the, and it's an, that emotional attachment, which we talked sure. about way back at the start. Right. For sure. No, it is. Yeah. It's like we have the, and again, it's, it's seeded, right. Just as much as deep work can condition new behaviors, right. We have conditioned behaviors right now, right. From our childhood, right. From yeah. our upbringing, our harder experiences. And it's difficult sometimes to revisit those, but they're already there. And it's really the unwinding or the unknotting, right. Untying the knot associated with where those are first starts with, I would say, a, a self-love, a self-belief, and a, a realization that like, even the most successful people have jacked up beliefs. I mean, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, it's, they're doing it, right? The most successful people are doing that because they realize that there are things that they're not doing perfectly. There are things that may have worked or are not working anymore. And yeah. the first thing is to let, you know, let down your guard and not necessarily be defined by other people. Instead, define yeah. yourself. Yeah, totally. Yeah. The more open and willing you are to that, it's great. And if you think about it in terms of your kids, right? Like your kids are naturally curious and then the curiosity is kind of drummed out of them because when you go into high school and you go into college, it's right or wrong. Well, wait a minute. Is it? Yeah. And so it's not really the best place. The education system does kind of fail the entrepreneur in that way. Maybe as we, as we kind of conclude our thoughts and then we'll, I want to give you some time just to talk about some of the stuff you have online, things sure. you do on social media, events that you have coming up. We're approaching this. This is going live toward the end of, of 2019. You know, we're approaching this like iconic year, right? 2020. Yeah. And 2020, interesting. You know, the vision 2020, and yep. you know, just just another decade. And movies were, you know, they had these date, you know, the, the 2020 date in them and a future. So it's weird you know, to say, right? It totally is. Like I'm yeah. in 20, year 2020. But right now, it's like 2019, end of the year. What have you discovered in successful entrepreneurs, you know, those that you've worked with, you yourself? What are they doing in, 2000, uh, in December 2019? What are some of those kind of consistent things that you see or, or habits that people have to prepare for 2000, you know, whatever year? But now 2020 being that iconic year, like what are they preparing for? Well, that's the word. The word, that's the magic million, billion dollar word is prepare. And so Patrick, like the most common trait 
among the most successful people. And the more that I work with people, the more I am blown away by how prepared the most successful people are. So if you're preparing for a negotiation, the billionaire has always done more preparation than the millionaire and so on and so forth. And so whether it's a entrepreneur that's leading a specific industry, they do more preparation the night before than their competition. And then for the people in December, man, like most high performers have already done the preparation for 2020 in late November. We have our annual event that prepares for 2020 in early November. So we get a lot, all of our clients prepared for the next year well in advance. Because if you're waiting until January 1st, it's like waiting to do your to-do list in the morning when you have the greatest willpower, discipline, intention, and you're wasting that time on figuring out what you're going to do in the day. So it's the same with like everybody listening. Like if you are a little bit behind, get on it now because you have to be prepared to hit the ground running as quickly as possible. And not just kind of sort of, we have a plan for it. No, deeply prepared, step-by-step to get a fast response, to get a quick victory, to get momentum and motivation. And when you have that in place, the results come faster. And when you and your team see results, you start to work harder. Just like going to the gym. If you don't see results, you get kind of down and you get out of there. But if you see results, then you're like, I'm going back tomorrow and I'm going to stay consistent with this. And those are the people that stay with it. I had a business coach and she was she was at Amazon and mobile and you know these big companies and I remember her once she was talking to me about annual planning yeah. and she said at Amazon and this was like 2008 2009 this is a long time ago right a decade ago yeah when she did her annual plans and presented it right and this is what we're gonna be doing this year yeah it, it was like November and October but she would start on the next year's one the day after he presented on that one again I'm so glad you're saying this because yeah that's the thing is I would say those that are, are successful do have this idea of, of anticipation, right? Preparation. And they realize that not everything is going to go 100% plan, right? But it's that constant, you know, refinement as you're executing. Preparation yeah. is done well in advance. And I think that's just one of those characteristics that I really value. I wish I could say that's the same for me all the time. At the same time, I recognize that pattern in so many successful people where yeah. they're preparing well in advance. Yeah. And so I, I just want to tie this up with, with a little book review that I've been, you know, so this year I've started reading a book called Eisenhower. It's basically a biography of, of Dwight D. Eisenhower and he spends most of the time talking about him as Supreme Allied Commander in World War II. And you know, there's so much that I didn't know. Like they wanted to do the D-Day landings all the way back in like 1942. And if they would have done it, they would have got slaughtered. They would have made like so many mistakes so they learned all this stuff by going through North Africa and then into Italy. And they learned like, oh my gosh, wow, we don't know anything. So they learned all about amphibious landings and all the preparation and planning that went into it. And it was almost like for the Germans, it was a comedy of errors. Hitler sleeps until noon and no one wanted to wake him up on D-Day. That's a great example of bad leadership. Like, you know, those companies where, oh, I don't want to tell the boss, he'll get mad at me. Like, that's what happened to the Germans. Like, it wouldn't have saved them or anything, but they had the absolute worst leadership on the German side. And then they had all this planning and all these screw-ups, right? All these screw-ups from North Africa and Italy on their side, which then made them better for the day that they finally attacked France. 
and it became the greatest military expedition of all time. And it's just an amazing story. And you're like, you can't make this stuff up, but it applies so much to everything we talked about on this call. And I want people to understand, like, like you said, every single person is messing up, but they're just planning in advance and they're going to get punched in the face and they're going to get back up and they're going to readjust course and they just never stop. And so everybody listening, make that your mission for 2020. Well, quick, maybe talk a bit about some of the resources you have other than your book. And you know, we'll put those uh, in the, the, the links to purchase those in the show notes. Like, what are other some you know, online resources that you have, social media? Like, what are some of the thing, other things you're doing to kind of keep this mission moving forward? Yeah, we do a lot on Instagram. So people use Instagram. I'm at Real Craig Valentine. We have a Facebook group called The Perfect Business Formula. It's a free Facebook group. We're putting great content out every, every day. We obviously have the books and then the Perfect Day Formula Kit, which is my life's work in a box that's helped a lot of people uh, like yourself. We have some programs that we help. We have online coaching. in a uh, It's called 2x10 Less. It helps you double your income and work 10 fewer hours per week, which is another program that we're helping. We're, that's for like kind of our mass market program to get as many people into our world and, you, and get all of these tools and systems so that they can just make that big leap and big growth in the next year. So if anybody wants to ever contact me just through those channels, it's great or support at early to You can always get that email to me there too. Well, Craig, this has been amazing. We could totally talk for like hours about all of this stuff. I know it's been um, too long. Oh, I know it's been, a, it's been a couple of years. I appreciate your willingness to come on and I appreciate what you do. It makes a huge difference and it's a side of the entrepreneur business world that there's not much of. And the passion you've shown over the years is just, it's inspiring, man. I really appreciate Thanks, all the things that you continue to, to do because it is making a difference. And it's interesting because it's like you do financial stuff. So obviously it's like you make smart decisions with your money. And by talking about all this stuff, I have to push myself to live a better life every day and, and make the right decisions and walk the talk and talk the book and all that sort of stuff. So it keeps me on the straight and narrow too. So it helps me as much as it helps everybody. And so everybody listening, I'm really looking forward to hearing from you and giving you some tip and just that leverage point that can really make a huge difference to overcome those bottlenecks for you. And we'll put all of these links that Craig has just mentioned, plus all the links to purchase the book will be in the show notes to make sure you head over to thewellstandard.com to, uh, to get those. Craig, it's been, it's been a pleasure. I wish you a great, uh, great holiday season. Yeah, thank you, my man. You too, and best wishes to all the family. And we'll talk again very soon. I can't wait to hear about 2024. Thanks, Craig. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Standard Podcast. Be sure to visit the show's official website, thewealthstandard.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Guest opinions are their own. If you require specific investing, financial, legal, tax, or any other specialized advice, please consult an appropriate professional. We welcome and appreciate reviews of the show. Head on over to iTunes or Stitcher to leave your review. And don't forget to subscribe to the show to get access to every new episode and exclusive interviews this season. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.